and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. We've been recently considering the power of God that is ours. And we saw that this power was promised um, and received on the day of Pentecost. And when they first received that gift of Holy Spirit, they knew that they had received it. They knew they had that power because they spoke in tongues. They operated it. Tonight we're going to look at more about what happened in the first century after they received the gift of Holy Spirit and how they walked with this power. And you can go to Acts chapter 3 this evening. Shortly after, um, it's just one chapter after, I don't know time-wise exactly how long, most agree that um, most sources would agree that it was shortly after the day of Pentecost, meaning not years later, but it doesn't really tell us specifically in the Word of God how much later it was. Um, so you know you can you can, some of these events you can pin down in history um, when they occurred by other things that are referenced. And so there's a sort of a, you can sort of establish a rough timeline for the book of Acts, but it's not like you can say, okay, so this record that we read happened on June 10th of 30 A.D. But again, the point that I am making here with it is this is in the early days of the church. And right after they receive that gift, right after they've received the gift of Holy Spirit, they're walking in it. They're operating this power. And you'll see that they're doing so in a very dynamic way. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. This was their habit, Peter and John. And Peter and John, you know, those two go way back. You know, they go way back to fishing together. Mm-hmm. You know, those, they were partners, partners in the fishing business. And you see that Peter and John do a lot of things together throughout the Gospels and into the book of Acts. Both of them being incredible men. Both of them being um, apostles chosen by Jesus Christ. And they're going into the temple at the hour of prayer. They're, they're going in there to pray. Verse 2, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, he's been unable to walk from from birth. From the time he was born, he has never walked, never. And he was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Every day, somebody would take him and put him out in front of this one entrance into the temple, a door or gate, they're called. And he was there every day asking alms. 
Most Western readers read that and they think that this man was just a beggar and that's why he was there every day, you know, just begging as people were going into the temple. And just that was the way that he survived. But there's a greater understanding of what was going on with this man if you understand a bit of the Eastern culture of the time. In the East, in Bible times, a person would sit and ask of alms or, quote, beg as a sign of humility. And they would do that, especially when they had a need for healing or something of that sort. They would do it. They could, they could be somebody who didn't need the money, and it wasn't that people necessarily were giving them a lot of money. It was something that was done to demonstrate that they were humble, that they were humble towards God. And alms doesn't necessarily always mean money. It can, but it's that which is done in, in service to God, basically. You know, you think of like that record about, um, you know, don't be like the Pharisees who do their alms to be seen of men. Verse 3, who, this man who was crippled and every day sitting there in front of the gate, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Hey, look over here. Here's this man asking everyone for alms. And Peter and John say, look at us, look at us. Now, the thing that is, to me, one of the most interesting things about this record is who else went into the temple at some point in the past 40 years? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, more than once. More than once, Jesus Christ went into the temple. More than once, Peter and John have gone into the temple. So at any point, this man could have been healed why that day? Why that particular time? Why on that occasion? Why didn't Jesus Christ heal him? Well, we'll just save this one for those guys, you know. We'll let this guy, you know, go some more years of being crippled so that the timing will be dramatic. And no, because it's an issue of believing. It is always a matter of believing. And why somebody... One day, all of a sudden, believes when he's been doing this for 40 years. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly, Jesus Christ would have been believing, so it's not like there wasn't somebody else that was believing to heal him up until that day. But his believing got to that point on that day, and Peter and John received the revelation, because that's the only way you know it, him being there, he was there a long time, many other days, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, he was. He was there many, many other days when Jesus Christ was there. So it couldn't be that, well, you know he was believing because he was there <laughs> asking. On that day, he really was believing. And they knew it by revelation, and they said, look on us, verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. doesn't say he was expecting to receive money. It said he was expecting to receive something. 
and whether it was that he was expecting that they were going to heal him or not, certainly he was believing on that day. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and do what? Walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. He told him in that name, in that powerful name, and if if we don't get to it this week, we'll get to it next time. We get to chapter 4, and it talks a lot about how that name came into play in what's about to happen. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Wow. What a miracle. What an incredible miracle. That here they are, Peter and John, they look at him and say, Look on us, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he gets up and not only walks, he leaps, he jumps around praising God. A man who had never walked a day in his life. You know, James didn't one day all of a sudden get up and start dancing and jump up and down. You know, little baby, that's not how it works normally. Normally, you don't just get up the first day that you start walking and start jumping around. But he was walking and leaping and praising God because of this great miracle of healing that took place. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Jesus Christ promised that they would receive power, that they would receive power, and they did. They received power not only to speak in tongues, but to perform miracles. They received power to receive revelation. They received power to operate all nine manifestations, and, and a number of them are operated here in this miracle. Gifts of healing, working of miracles, faith, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all of those are in that record because all of those had to be employed in order for that miracle to take place. But they believed God and they operated that power. You know, that's simple. How long did they study to do that? You know, how many years of, of classes did they take? How many years of, of you know, well, i got to just keep on working these verses and over and over again to ever get to that place. How many years did, do you think it, you know, it wasn't? Because it's an issue of believing. It's a matter of believing. It's not a matter of academic knowledge or studying or going to a seminary. Nor is it even a matter of, well, you've got to be, you know, in the, in the Word for so many years and you've got to, like, study these things so many hours before you get to that point. In my lifetime, I've known, uh, there's a fella, <clears throat> so now all the things I'm playing is, how much do I tell you about this fella? Because I can tell you some stories. His name was Flip. And somebody may be out there listening that catches this and knows Flip. 
And, you know, one of the great, a guy who believed to do miraculous healing, and he wasn't any advanced class grad, you know, some of you, you'd have to see his certificate to believe he was a foundational class grad. Because <laughs> Flip, Flip was a character, okay? Flip was a character, and boy, I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories about Flip. Because um, it's, it's not even about how, how good you are. It's not any of that stuff. It's believing. And Flip, he heard about this stuff, and he just decided, yeah, I want to do that. And he did it. And he was a pretty bold guy. You know, he, I said he was a character. He was a pretty bold guy. He was a pretty go- He had an interesting background. He was both a hell's angel and in the mafia. So when I say I can tell you stories, I can tell you stories, okay? <laughs> and, you know, but man, he believed. He believed. And he did great healings. If I had a serious need, I probably would have went to flip ahead of a lot of other people. They operated this power of God. In verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. All the people saw it. And they knew who he was. All the people. You know, you pass by somebody, you know, if, you, if you're a regular temple temple goer, you know, if you're there in Jerusalem and it's your habit to go to the temple and there's three hours of prayer and a lot of these guys, you know, there they are every day doing that, you know who this fellow is. And they knew, verse 10, that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Of course they were. Wouldn't you be? Yes. You know, just filled, filled with wonder and amazement. You know, wonder, like, how did this happen? Amazing. This is incredible. This is amazing. Look at this. Verse 11. And has the lame man which was healed held Peter and John? You know, I'm sure just a big old hug. You know, not holding him because he was afraid he was going to fall over. All the people ran together unto them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Here they are, you know, this whole crowd, and everybody's like, you know, quickly word spreads through the temple. Everybody's there. Everybody's like looking, and you know, what happened? You know, what's going on? And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? He's wondering why they are marveling. They're filled with wonder and amazement, and he's asking them why. Because in order to operate that kind of power, in order to really be believing that big, you can't be, it can't be all that, you know, out of the ordinary in your mind. It can't be that unbelievable, (laughs) you know. It's got to be believable. You can't say, wow, that's unbelievable. Well, (laughs) so long as it's unbelievable, you won't be believing. 
Why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? It, why look at us like we're so incredible? as though it's by our own power or our own holiness. It wasn't that they were so good. It wasn't their own holiness. It wasn't that they were holier than thou. And it wasn't that they were somehow as men special. They weren't some incredibly different kind of people. It wasn't their own power but that gift that was given to them. They received a gift. They received this gift of Holy Spirit, and that's what gave them power. Jesus Christ said, after that gift of Holy Spirit, after that promise of the Father has come upon you, ye shall receive power. Anybody that's got the gift has the power. All of us, all of us have the power. We've just got to Rise up and believe. We just have to make up our minds that, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. There's Peter still, you know, not caring if he's offending these fellas, not caring if they, you know, I, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And, you know, this is every, seems like every time Peter talks to these guys, he's reminding them of what they did. It's not the normal way to win friends and influence people, is it? No. You know, so, so you know, you can... I'll just hit on this quick and run with, you know. But look at this and look at a lot of what's in the book of Acts of what is said when people were witnessed to and compare that to most of what's done today because they called people to make changes. They let people know you need a savior. You need a savior, not I've got a meal ticket for you. I've got a prize for you. Okay? <laughs> Think about that. But ye denied and des delivered, desired a murder to be granted unto you. Verse 15. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. You see him and you know him, and it is his name through believing in his name that's made that man strong. The faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. They, tell, he, they say it right then to all those people, and they'll say it again later on, when they're questioned by the, the leaders of the, you know, the, the chief priest and the elders and all of those guys, that this is how they did it, through that name and the power that's in that name of Jesus Christ. There is power in that name. Verse 17. 
And now, brethren, I wot, I know that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. I know that you, the reason why you had him crucified, the reason why you desired that a murderer be let go instead, was because you were ignorant. You just were ignorant. You, were, you didn't know any better. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore. Repent. Repent. Change. That's what repent means. Change. This is who you were. You need to change. You need to change. And... That's still the case anytime someone does get converted, anytime someone does get born again. Whether they realize it or not, whether you point it out to them or whether somebody else points it out to them or not, when we, before we got born again, we needed to repent. We needed to change. Because we were dead in sins, without God, without hope in this world. We needed a Savior. Man needed a Savior. All men. You know, Phil and I were talking before the fellowship about man's sin nature and how he needs Jesus Christ. Now he needs that Savior and the righteousness that is ours because of what he did. Everyone needs that. Everybody needs that. And that's what he's telling them. That's simple. Repent ye therefore and be converted, verse 19, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which, was, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these things. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities." He tells them straight out what they should know, what they should have already known, what the prophets had been telling them all along about Jesus Christ, that this was not news. And God sent this prophet that was promised, a prophet like Moses. God sent his son to redeem mankind. He sent his son to do that, and they needed to believe on him, and they do. Chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So these guys, instead of being happy 
that this man was healed. Instead of being thrilled about the power of God, they're still just grieved that Jesus Christ is being preached. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold, threw them in jail, until the next day, for it was now eventide. They throw them in jail. It's late in the day, so, you know, we got to get home, get to our supper, so we're not going to do anything about this right now. We'll just toss them into jail for the night, and then we'll decide tomorrow. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about how many? Five thousand. Yeah, I'd say many believed. I'd say many believed. About five thousand. About five thousand people. And when they were told about this gift, and they told they were told by Jesus Christ that they would receive power. The next thing he told them about that was that they would be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And there they are, they're doing it. They're operating the power and speaking the word, telling people who Jesus Christ is. They weren't content to just jump up and down with the fellow that was healed. They weren't, you know, like... Wow, yeah, we did that. That's great. You know, praise. Everybody wants to know what's going on. And they see this as an opportunity to really let them know what is really going on. You know, something bigger than just that moment. Something bigger than just that man. Something bigger than just healing. That, yes, that's wonderful. Wonderful that the guy got healed. Wonderful that he can walk. But the greater truth and the greater wonder, the greater you know, miracle is the miracle of all miracles, the new birth, and that's what they, they tell them about. And about 5,000 of them on that day get saved. And it came to pass on the next day, on the morrow, that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, not quite sure how you pronounce that, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? By what authority? And that's what they're really asking. They're not asking by what power, like, hey, we'd like to have that. They're saying, who gave you the right to do this? By what name? Who's given you the right to go around healing? Because we didn't. And, you know, there's not going to be any healing, any miracles going on around here if we're not getting them out, and we're not going to give any out because we can't do that. So where do you come off doing this stuff? (laughs) Verse 7. And we did that. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Well, geez, we didn't mean to upset you. We didn't mean to make anybody mad here. He said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined, if you want to give us the third degree, of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, (laughs) he just never gets tired of saying that, does he? Whom God raised from the dead, Even by him doth this man stand before you whole. That's how we did it. 
by that same Jesus that you, you, Caiaphas and Annas, who were the ringleaders, who were the ones who actually put him on trial, who were the ones that, that beat him and saw that he was beat worse than any man, that you are the ones, that same Jesus Christ that you did that to, by his power, this man's standing before you whole. You thought you were going to get rid of him. You thought you were going to put an end to this by killing him, but you didn't. You didn't stop anything because you cannot stop God. You cannot stop God. And he goes on. Well, do we have time to finish it? We'll give it a shot. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, no other name, no other name for salvation, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus Christ. That's the only name that gets somebody saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what are we going to do? And we can't put a stop to this, so what are we going to do? And they say, well, we'll threaten them, we'll beat them, and we'll tell them they can't do it, but that doesn't stop anything. They couldn't stop the power of God. They couldn't stop Peter and John here. and they, they don't stop God from continuing to do great things in the lives of people. Nor can they stop it today, whenever and wherever somebody believes. Bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.